Platteville Civic Center Park and the historic Glenview Mansion are proud to present the chilling tales and thrilling adventures of Mysteries from Glenview Mansion. Years before their appearance, Jules Verne foretold the submarine, the balloon, the airplane, the telephone, the long-range projectile, and many other inventions. But perhaps his greatest writing achievement was the complex but very human character of Captain Nemo, the tragic star of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. In this man, we glimpse Homer's Ulysses, Shakespeare's Hamlet, and ourselves, our dreams, our disillusionment, and above all, our instinctive yearning for hope. These are the things that make Captain Nemo and his great adventure timeless. And so it is with pride and pleasure we now present Jules Verne's beloved classic, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. does not need new continents, it needs new men. My name is Pierre Arenaud. I am an assistant professor in the Museum of Natural History in Paris, and the year is 1866. Delving into the unknown, as I do, there is little that surprises me. And yet, today, in this modern life, unbelievable newspaper headlines shock the world. Extra, extra! Steam attacked by sea serpent. Read all about it. Extra! Another ship attacked. The SS Gosha sunk in unnatural circumstances. Navy to hunt sea monster. Extra, extra! I was in my New York apartment at the conclusion of my most recent scientific tour and had planned to return to Paris with my valuable collection of specimens when... Professor Arno. Yes, Conseil. What is it? Commander Farragut of the United States Navy to see you, sir. Commander Farragut? Well, show him in, lad. Show him in. Yes, sir. Immediately. Farragut? Farragut coming to see me? What on earth for? Unless it's about the... Professor Arnax, this is a great pleasure. Well, believe me, Commander Farragut, the feeling is mutual. In fact, I am somewhat overcome to have a man of your reputation seek out a, an obscure professor. Quite the contrary, sir. Your knowledge and research of undersea life is highly respected. My government would like to see France represented in the expedition in search of the monster. I am holding a cabin at your disposal on the USS President Lincoln, sir. We leave Brooklyn Pier in three hours. Pursuit of the sea monster? What an opportunity! Well, to, to catch the sea monster, just, just think of what an addition that would be to my collection. You have a fine ship, Commander. Yes, sir. She's a frigate of great speed. We're well armed, too. Professor, we have everything. 
from the hand harpoons to the double-barreled blunderbuss to the explosive shells of the big deck guns. Tell me, did I truly see a breech-loading cannon atop your foxhole? You did, sir. But my best weapon of all, Professor, is Ned Land. Huh? Oh, Ned! Come over here, if you please. Aye, aye, Commander Farragut, at your service, sir. Professor Aranax, Ned is known all over the Seven Seas as the Prince of Harpooners. If and when we track down the sea monster, he'll show you some real action. You shall have a real test for your talents, Mr. Land. It's a fabulous beast indeed that can stove in the side of a ship. You're speaking of the Scotia, I take it, sir. Begging your pardon, Professor, but... I don't put much stock in that sea monster story. Oh, she's a big one, Doc. But I've never yet seen a fish of the sea that could bash in a ship's plates. Well, well, something did it. The Scotia had a gaping hole in her side to prove it. Aye, sir. Something did it right enough. That's why I signed on the President Lincoln, Professor Aronaw. If there should be a sea monster that big and that mighty, the Ned Land wants to be the man to harpoon it. That's the way our voyage began. A strong ship and picked men, and a vast curiosity and determination to end this terror of the seas. And weeks passed, but the long days and nights of tension were beginning to tell. And then, and then, just as it seemed human endurance could stand no more. Ahoy there! The very thing we're looking for! On our weather beam, the sea monster! It is less than two cable lengths away now. My harpoon! Let me get to my post! Good heavens! The monster is heading straight for us! Reverse the engine. We are moving away from the thing now. Look, look, the monster is catching up with us again. I can't harpoon it, sir. The monster's running circles around us. We can't get near enough for me to use my harpoon. Right the helm, ahead as you are. No, 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 it's no use, Commander. The monster's going to strike. It's moving twice as fast as we are. I know it, sir. There's only one thing we can do. Stand and fight. Up to the foxhole cannon, men! The foxhole gun was loaded and slewed into position. The Lincoln was running at half speed now, and the monster seemed content to follow at a certain distance, as though it were mocking us. The gunner, steady of eye, brave of face, took a long and careful aim and then... Fire! What? Why, the shot bounced off it like a rubber ball. Watch out, sir! The monster's closing in on us. That shot made it mad. It's going to get us this time, sure. Oh! <gasps> Professor Aronax! He's fallen overboard! And so is Ned Land!
you're all right now, Professor Aronov. Though I must say, I pulled you out of the sea just in time. But... But where... Where are we? Aboard the... Sea Monster, sir. What? No wonder the Lincoln's shell bounced off the thing. It's made of sheet iron. I can't believe it. I can't believe it! There was nowhere else to go, sir. The frigate was thoroughly smashed in the attack. The wreckage drifted out of sight. But what if this monster sinks? Then we'll be at sea again, sir. Look, sir! Men! Coming out of the monster! They're coming towards us! They're going to attack! I'll protect you, sir! I trust the state of your health is improving, Professor Arano. Mm. Well... Well, am I? Aboard my submarine, the Nautilus. Submarine? Who... who are you? You may address me as Captain Nemo, Mr. Land. Captain? Submarine? Then you're... I am your sea monster, O oh Prince of Harpooners. Why, you... Ned, let us learn more about our predicament from Captain Nemo. Sir Captain Nemo, how do you know so much about us? You told me, Professor. You were somewhat delirious for a while. Thus I learned all about yourself, your servant Consuil, and, uh... Ned Land. I also know that you are from the frigid President Lincoln, which deliberately invaded my privacy and which attacked me. You are prisoners of war. By rights, I should place you back on deck and submerge, forgetting your existence. You, you wouldn't dare. That wouldn't be civilized. I am not what you so glibly call a civilized man, Professor Arano. For reasons of my own, I have broken all ties that bound me to humankind, and I am not subject to its laws. <laughs> Civilized. But then, what is to be our fate, Captain Nemo? Well, I have been considering it at great length, Professor. I'm not altogether heartless. I do have a certain sense of pity for any living thing. Therefore, since fate cast you upon my ship, you may remain here. But of course, you must live under my law and give your word to cause no trouble or try to escape. Stay with you? For how long? For the rest of your life, Mr. Land. Do you know what you ask, Captain? We are never to see our country again? Our friends? Our families? Professor... You still seem to forget that I could plunge you to the depths of the sea at a word. You have discovered the secret of my whole existence. Do you think I would free you to tell everything you have seen or heard? <laughs> no, Professor Aronov. By detaining you, it is not you I guard, but myself. You're simply offering us the choice between life and death. Just that, 
But without freedom? There is always a price. Be glad that yours is no higher. Then we... we have no choice. Captain Nemo, we will abide by your wishes. How very civilized of you, Professor. It won't be as bad as you think, gentlemen. You, Professor, will find your own published works in my library. And I will show you marvels under the sea that even you haven't yet dreamed of. You will live in the best of quarters. You will enjoy the finest foods. You will see. Renouncing the world is not so painful as you think. Ned and Conceal were taken to their permanent quarters, while I was escorted to a luxurious suite adjoining the quarters of Captain Nemo himself. Though I saw no sign of the man himself all the rest of that day. The next morning, as I stared about myself still lost in amazement, I heard the strains of a pipe organ in the next room. And venturing in, I found myself in a magnificent drawing room. I, oaken sideboards inlaid with ebony, stood at the two extremities of the room. High oaken sideboards inlaid with ebony stood at the two extremities of the room, and upon their shelves glittered china, bronze, porcelain, jade, and glass of inestimable value. And there, at the keyboard of the organ, was Nemo. Good morning, Professor Arenau. You seem somewhat surprised to learn that I practice the arts as well as the sciences. I must confess, Captain Nemo, I scarcely expected to find you a musician of such inspired music. Inspired? Well, what I... what... what I meant to say... I understand well enough what you meant, Professor. Native pride. Most annoying circumstances have brought you into the presence of a man who has left behind all native pride, who has broken all ties of humanity. You have come to trouble my existence. Unintentionally, sir. Unintentionally? Was it unintentionally that the Abraham Lincoln pursued me across the seas? Was it unintentionally that you took passage in that conveyance of war? Was it unintentionally that your cannonballs rebounded off the plating of my vessel? Was it unintentionally that Mr. Ned Land struck at me with his harpoon? You have no answer for this turn of events? I must admit, I don't know what to say. Then say nothing, but watch instead. I have another wonder to show you. See here as I press this lever. Great heavens! The whole side of the submarine is sliding back! We, we are doomed! <laughs> Do not fear, sir! We are protected from the sea by several layers of heavy glass. Behold, behold the vast army of the sea, Professor. The fish seem to float in liquid light, do they not? Unbelievable. Yes, but true. The banded mallet, 
the Japanese cumbrous, the beautiful mackerel. All these are my pleasure and my game, sir. I hunt them in an element inaccessible to any other man. You, you hunt underwater? Yes. I delight in quarrying the game that lurks in my submarine forests. I'm immensely wealthy, Professor. I'm the owner of property beyond the power of computation. Look out there, my dear Professor. The sea is everything. It covers seven-tenths of the terrestrial globe. Its breath is pure and life-giving. It is an immense desert place where man is never lonely. For it is the physical embodiment of a supernatural existence. For the sea itself is nothing but love and emotion. It is the living infinite, as one of your poets has said. Nature manifests herself in it, with her three kingdoms, mineral, vegetable, and animal. The ocean is a vast reservoir of nature, draws no borders, bears no despots. I see. And so you would give up all the surface world has in exchange for this boundless watery void? Forsaking your fellow man, forsaking your very humanity. Professor, do you fail to see what is so clear in your own people's histories? It is mankind which has forsaken its humanity, and not I. They have forgotten by making unjust laws, tearing one another to pieces, living always under fear and tyranny, carried away in terrestrial horrors. That is why I seek freedom in the depths of the ocean. Here the reign of man ceases, his power, his influence drowns in leagues of living water. Here alone is independence, peace. Professor, you and your friends shall accompany me on my next hunting expedition. Meantime, feel free to use whatever facilities you desire aboard the Nautilus. I was soon lost in the wonders of Captain Nemo's amazing undersea collection, his library, and of course the wonders of the submarine itself. And then, one morning, we were summoned to a small seal just off the machinery room, where we found Captain Nemo awaiting us. If you will kindly don these into your diving suits and weighted boots, we'll soon be off on the hunt. Hunt? In diving suits? Unless you prefer to walk on the bottom of the sea without one, Mr. Land. Bottom of the sea? We're hunting there? Exactly. Captain Nemo has promised us undreamed wonders, Ned. I can believe that, sir. We have now arrived at the forests of the lost island of Crespa, gentlemen. You have your suits on. Now, please, put the helmets in place. Well, what are we going to hunt with? Electrical glass bullets, Mr. Land. What? Fired by air guns. And for light, each one of you has two reflector lamps. One light fastened to the front of your suit, one to the waist. This is all too much for me. Well, I for one am convinced, Ned. 
I would follow Captain Nemo anywhere he wishes, even to the bottom of the sea. Thank you, Professor Arano. Now, fasten your helmets, gentlemen. I am about to close the waterproof door. We were in utter darkness. The breathing apparatus began operating the moment our helmets were fixed firmly in place, and I breathed with ease. Now I was about to step into a completely new element, the sinister unknown, led by a man who, for all I knew, was mad. A second door, located in the outer shell of the Nautilus, slid back, and in another moment, I was treading on the floor of the ocean. My dear friends, how can I describe the sights that met my eyes? A fantastic dream? No, no. More like an emotion. Yes, an emotion, that's it. I moved through unbelievable beauty, no longer feeling the drag of my clothing and weighted shoes. The water acted like a, a prism from the early morning sun so that we walked in the radiance of the seven solar colors, and I could see the silver sun shimmering away to a distance of a, of a hundred and fifty yards, dotted with star shells, flowers and rocks and shells and pulpy of every shade and formation. Uh, <laughs> what if my colleagues could see me now? They wouldn't believe it. I don't like this. Walking on the bottom of the sea. Not natural. Escape. I'm going to escape from that underwater tub the first chance I get. We are approaching an old Spanish galleon. I can see the surprise in your eyes, Professor Arano, even as we enter the wreck. I... I can't believe what I'm seeing. Treasure. More treasure than... than I may ever describe. Even Ned Land forgot his worry and fear, gaping at the mounds of gold and pieces of eight scattered about the deck. Over here. This one. That chest. It's gigantic. The captain took his time opening the massive chest. They're gold. Jewels. Heaps of them sparkling, glinting in the cold salt water. My eternal bank. We will fill that small chest we brought along, and so send it back to the Nautilus with one of my crew. And now, my dear professor, we'll go on to my pearl beds. Captain, all these riches we sold today, you can only use so much. What good is the rest, unless you help your fellow man? Professor Arano, you are my guest, an onlooker. I 
do not desire your advice. Oh, but it seems such a waste, sir, with so much need in the world. Enough! Yes, there is need among the oppressed races, the exploited, the ravaged. I am and ever shall be one with such unfortunates. Captain, look out there, a diver! He's looking in at us. Oh yes, we're near shore. Well, yes, yes, but, but what does he want? You asked a question, Professor. You shall have your answer. Even as I watched, a crew member in a diving suit appeared outside the window and gave the native diver the small treasure chest taken from the Spanish carrion. The swimmer returned to the window, humbly saluted Captain Nemo, who returned the gesture, and then the diver darted upward with his treasure. I turned and looked at Nemo. What more do you want from me, Professor Arano? A confession written in heart's blood that, though I hate the world, I love my fellow man? Well, I... I couldn't answer him. If ever I saw tragedy burned across a man's face, I saw it in Nemo's. I could understand his bitter philosophy, his moods blowing hot and cold, like destroying, searing winds. And then a week later, Ned, Conceal, and I saw another side of Nemo's nature. We had surfaced for air when he sighted a mysterious man of war flying no discernible colors. The ship drew near and fired at us. Professor, a ship. This may be our chance to escape. We need to move quickly. Stand back, Mr. Land! If Captain Nemo was terrible to hear, he was still more terrible to see. His face was deadly pale with a spasm at his heart. For an instant it must have ceased to beat. He did not speak. He roared, turning to the ship of war whose shot was still raining around him. Ah, ship of an accursed nation! I do not want your colors to know you by. You recognize me, don't you? You fear me? And now, my vengeance? Captain, what is this vessel? You do not know? Very well, so much the better. Its nationality to you, at least, will be a secret. Go down, Professor. No, Captain. They won't have a chance. Leave me! I am the oppressed, and there is the oppressor! Through him I have lost all that I love, cherished and venerated, country, wife, children, father and mother, I saw all perish, all that I hate is there, say no more, torpedo one, fire! The man of war seemed to instantly disintegrate. There were no survivors. Captain Nemo watched it sink, an archangel of hatred. Then he turned and entered his quarters. I followed him as though 
hypnotized. I saw him uncover a picture on the far wall. A portrait of a young woman and two beautiful children. Captain Nemo looked at the painting for some moments, stretched his arms out toward them, and then, and then, kneeling down, burst into deep, deep sobs. After that catastrophic occurrence, it felt as though I moved through the Nautilus in more and more of a fog, as images of bursting ships and weeping men flew through my mind, I realized I had made my way back to my chambers. Still dazed, I collapsed upon my bed and fell into a heavy sleep, a sleep both painful and unhealthy. Days passed, but I hardly noticed. During that time, I saw no sign of the captain, nor of the crew, save for the steward who brought me my meals. And then, one night, I awoke suddenly to find Ned Bland leaning over me, whispering in a low voice. We are going to fly. Escape? Are we on sight of land? I, sir, just took a reckoning. We're off the coast of Norway. There are hills twenty miles to the east of us. We'll take the small boat. I've stocked it with food and water. I've talked it out with Conceal. We'll meet at ten tonight. You know I'm with you, Ned. Ever since seeing that ship go down, I... Uh, but the weather, how is it? Well, the waves are bad, sir. Wind's blowing up a gale, but there's no problem. I'll feel safe once we're on the high seas, no matter what the weather. Very well, Ned. Lay your plans. I'll meet you at the appointed hour. As I waited in my room, the events of my existence aboard the Nautilus passed before my mind's eye. Still in shock, caught up in my excitement and the growing tension, Captain Nemo seemed himself to grow immeasurably larger. No longer a man, but a creature of the waters. A king of the sea. How could we hope to escape? I fell once again into a fitful sleep until jolting awake to the sound of... Music from the hands of a tormented soul looking to break its earthly bonds. Such music as could only come from Captain Nemo himself. And then my heart froze in terror. He was in the drawing room, the very room I must cross in order to make my escape. And the hour was striking for my rendezvous with destiny. I made my way toward the drawing room. The room was bathed in a greenish half-light 
Mimo sat before the pipe organ, playing as though this music were his last avenue of expression in life, his last hope of escape. I moved quietly, keeping low to the ground, holding my breath as I passed in back of him. I reached for the far door. Stop! Captain Nemo arose and came like a vengeful ghost straight toward me. Professor Arnaud! I slammed the heavy door, bolted it, and ran to meet Ned. Professor, is that you? Yes, yes, let's go. Hi, sir. They're coming after us. Quick, up on the deck, Professor. Come on, there we go. Oh, good heavens. There is a storm. A storm's nothing. It's a maelstrom. Quick, get in the small boat. The waves, Professor, look. They are closing in on us from every corner. They are rising. Hold fast now. I'm going to take her off. Oh! Oh! Now the waves? We are caught in the maelstrom! We are... You're going down! You're safe, Professor. Quite safe now. Conceal? The same, sir. And Ned's here, too. He bought us through the maelstrom safely. We're in a fisherman's hut off of the Lofoden Islands, Professor. Yes, but the maelstrom, the Nautilus. She was caught fair in the middle of it and went down, sir. And it's no better than she deserved, if you ask me. If anyone could survive in such a storm, Captain Nemo could. At least, I hope so. You hope so, sir? Yes, Ned. After traveling 20,000 leagues in that submarine tour of the world, which has revealed so many wonders, after traveling with Nemo, I hope he lives on forever, inhabiting the ocean, his adopted country. If his destiny be strange, it is also sublime. Have I not understood it myself? Have I not lived ten months of his unnatural life? And to the question asked by Ecclesiastes three thousand years ago, that which is far off and exceeding deep, who can find it out? Two men, alone of all now living, have the right to give an answer. Captain Nemo and myself. This production was originally written and adapted by Virginia and Cook. 
with music composed and conducted by Harry Zimmerman and directed by J.F. Mansfield. Tonight's performance starred Scott Ward Abernethy as Pierre Aronoff, Madeline Key as Ned Land, and Sandra Christian as Conceal. It also featured the voices of Daniel Morey, Matt Bailey, and Carrie Wilson. Finally, special guest Navi starred as Captain Nemo. Navi is the artistic lead for R&D at Flying V Theater and serves as showrunner for the Flying V podcast play series, Paperless Pulp. Follow these projects and more on their Instagram, at your local Navi. This is Matt Bailey, hoping you'll join us again for our next mystery from Glenview Mansion, when we rejoin our favorite Belgian detective in Agatha Christie's Poirot, The Bride War Fright.